And welcome to the second edition of the Bald, Bold, and Gold podcast. It is September 16th, 2020, and the Notre Dame Fighting Irish are undefeated. I am Alex Donovan, joined as always by Ian Waller and Tom Slevin. Before we get started, I just want to give a huge thank you to all of our listeners from episode one who tuned in to support not only the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, but also Male Pattern Baldness. And also a special shout out to our listeners. We had you guys tune in from all over the world, really. From Steve Campion out there in Los Alamitos, California, all the way to our guy German Matt Maternus Bergmer in Munich, Germany. We have a great show this week for you guys. We're going to look around the country at some games that happened last week, take a look back at our Irish performance against Duke, and then... Take a look forward to our picks this upcoming week and a look at the South Florida Bulls. So first, we had college football this weekend. That was fun. You know, we had it two weeks ago, but this was the first real week that we were able to sit down on the Saturday all day in front of a TV and actually watch, you know, a whole slate of college football. So anything that stuck out to you guys? Uh, yeah, for me, uh, if you play in the Pac-12, excuse me, if you play in the Big 12 uh, and you're not Texas or Oklahoma, you look like you could be in some serious trouble. Uh, Oklahoma State did not play this week, but other than that, uh, that was uh, that was a pretty disappointing performance, uh, especially shout out to Iowa State for sinking my parlay uh, within the first three hours of college football. So that was great. Yeah, I mean, that's tough. So I'm not going to I'm, I'm not going to make that mistake twice. Yeah, I think one thing to look at, especially the Big 12, there really is only those two threats you look at. You said Oklahoma and Texas. I don't see any other team that's going to be able to come out of that conference and really challenge for a playoff spot. Hopefully some other teams are good enough to cause some havoc. I know sports writers across the country, they love Iowa State Sorry, and Brock Purdy. For whatever reason, even though they routinely come out and get smoked by the Irish or any out-of-conference team they play. But hopefully we can see some upsets there. Maybe there's two losses with the top team in the Big 12 this year. That would really help out the Irish playoff chances. It'll be fun to watch Oklahoma and Spencer Rattler, though. Once again, they have another one of those quarterbacks that's just a gunslinger in Lincoln Riley's offense. But... Overall, I don't see the Big 12. They'll play their exciting brand of football, but that's a 
about it, I would say. Yeah, I mean, I did not get to be on my couch and watch college football all day. I was kind of moving around. If any of our listeners also listen to Sons of Saturday podcast, I was also dealing with the bozos and floral shirts and designer jeans. But <laughs> I was able to catch a good amount of the first half of North Carolina-Syracuse, two teams that are on their game schedule. I wasn't overly impressed with North Carolina and – Honestly, Syracuse is just kind of a bad team. Then just checking scores around the country, did catch some of the Clemson game later. Clemson's a wagon. I'm sure we're going to be saying that about seven or eight times. I'm not exactly sure how many games they have before they come to South Bend, but they didn't really have to try to put away Wake Forest. Once again, like Ian said, unstoppable. So there will be a lot more games on this week, a lot better matchups, in my hey, opinion, that we can tune into. Sorry, one more, one more we should touch big, on before we leave the ACC, another ACC on ACC crime, uh, with Georgia Tech going into Doe Campbell and picking up oh, a, a win against the Knowles. Uh, I think bad. I think that's less reflective on the Yellow Jackets and more reflective on how bad this Florida State team is. Um, I think we think we predicted – So I, I think I remember last week saying that, that Florida State could be a tough – game on the Notre Dame schedule, and I have completely changed my opinion on that. Florida State is a bad football team. Honestly, I do think it was interesting to see what Georgia Tech was able to do. Obviously, they're a team that we saw they're projected towards the bottom of the ACC as they're trying to move from the triple option offense. They still didn't look great on offense, but Obviously, it was to get enough done, you know, against Florida State. Yeah, yeah. we saw Florida State bad O line, bad quarterback play. One thing that I am excited for, yeah. you know, that we're going to I see agree. is, mm-hmm. yeah, the Big Ten's going to be coming back to play. Obviously, breaking news as of this afternoon, the time we're recording the podcast, they'll start play end of October play eight games i guess nine they'll have every team match up with each other so yeah just as a college football fan in general i'm excited because that means i have more games to watch on saturday you know i love rolling out of bed maybe catching the picks on game day then letting beth moans take me away for the next three hours as northwest <laughs> beats purdue 17 10 um but at the same time, it does make it more difficult for Notre Dame to make the playoff, even though these Big Ten teams will only be playing nine games total before the playoff. Notre Dame, if they were to make a run at the playoff, they'd have to play 12, including being Clemson or maybe a t- top team like North Carolina or Louisville, twice to make the playoff. While Big Ten teams, they might only play the top teams in the Big Ten once. It, those extra three games, I think – can go a long way as we've seen Ohio state's been the class of big 10 over the last five to 10 years easily. And we've seen them have great teams, but slip up against a Purdue against an Iowa or against an Iowa and just get blown out of the building. And, you know, they'll have less opportunities to do that. So therefore it'll be a lot easier to make the playoff for them. A lot harder for Notre Dame. It'll be interesting to see how the committee will take into effect all the games that 
you know, they're playing, you know, if you lose one game, I think there's no reason that a Big Ten team, even losing one game, should make the playoff unless there's absolute chaos. I'm, I'm happy we're going to get Big Ten football back. I, I, it's one of my favorite conferences to watch. Uh, but uh, I, I completely agree. If, if anybody if anybody slips up there, uh, it could mean trouble for the Big Ten just not having played as many games. Not back for a little while, though. Um, yeah, and then, right, it's, October it's like 24th. The, yeah, I come 24th at the earliest. Um, but the teams aren't practicing, so that, just, that seems like a, a pretty late date as well. Sounds like the Pac-12 is not budging. So I think yeah. once the Big Ten is back, that will be our field. That will be our Division One field for the season. That's right. our entire country field. Yeah. Just personally, in terms of Notre Dame, I grew up around a ton of Ohio State fans. They have very strong opinions about the Fighting Irish. And... You know, I, I think this year would be a year that they'd be saying if Notre Dame were to make the playoff, they'd be like, oh, well, like if they if Notre Dame had one loss, for example, oh, like Ohio State would have had that spot or Penn State should have had that spot. You know, this kind of takes out the excuse for them as much as, you know, I would like to see them sitting at home, you know, watching Notre Dame all year. It takes out the excuse that they would have in the back of their minds that they would bring up every time. Also, it's going to be interesting hearing the people who – for the last few years, basically, have said, oh, Notre Dame's not playing that 13th game before the college football playoff. Why should they be in? We're going to hear Big Ten people saying, oh, like, yeah, so what? We didn't have those extra two or three games. Let's talk some Irish. Yep. I agree. So 27-13 to win over the Duke Blue Devils. Just kind of initially, Uh, what are your guys' first thoughts watching the game? The Irish were good, not great. Uh, I think that they came out – Kind of, uh, came out kind of slow, uh, rough, rough, rough going at first with first few drives on offense. Uh, couldn't couldn't really get anything moving, um, and a lot of, a lot of missed tackles on the first drive on defense. Um, Chase Price kind of was able to drive his way down the field until Kyle Hamilton came up with a big stop on fourth and two. But um, I think that those are kind of just side effects of not having played any live competition. Just have you know. With limited with a limited number of practices compared to usual, um, so I you know, I don't think that's going to be an indictment of, of the entire rest of the season. Um, but again, I, I it was there was there was something that that was concerning about not seeing them um, absolutely dominate. You know the way that, that we saw Clemson dominate, um, but that's okay. I think that there's room for improvement. I think this team will will get better. I think they will. You will see dominant performances in the future, and, and, and that's okay. Just just leaving room for improvement. I thought they were they were good, not great, but that's okay. Yeah, I thought it was one of those games if we had come out with fans, um, they might be a little more ready to go. I think I mean, I'm probably making excuses for the team here, but it took them a little while to really get up and run, and I think maybe we can attribute that to not the same type of energy kickoff from they're used to getting. I thought one thing that we saw this week was the depth of our team, especially on the defensive line. Um, that was really encouraging to me. It wasn't because there's a lack of talent up front. It just shows uh, a lot of trust in the coaching staff and the depth of this team, which I thought was really encouraging. And uh, I think something will play a big role in the rest of the season. Yeah, I agree with what you guys said. Obviously the slow start was not what we were looking for from team with fifth-year quarterback, bunch of fifth-year alignment, Tommy Reese. He's not necessarily a returning offensive coordinator, but they'd worked with him a bunch in the past. 
I think more so it was actually seeing live bullets. I know Duke might have thrown some looks at them that they weren't ready for. But at the same time, the slow start was no excuse. We looked at the standard that we're going to be comparing ourselves to this year. Clemson just gone totally roll a team that's at a similar level as Duke. But there were a lot of encouraging things to take away. I think the play of some of the freshmen, Kyron Real Williams especially, even though he's a redshirt freshman, he's basically was the player of the game on offense over almost 120 receiving yards and a couple of touchdowns on the ground. And I think, you know, you look at Michael Mayer as well, Isaiah Foskey on defense. There are a lot of good things that we can take from this game. Uh, But so what we're going to do to kind of assess the Irish throughout the season, we thought this was a good idea is almost do a report card and go through by grading the offense going in specific positions, telling, going and giving our thoughts on how they played and doing the same for the defense before giving kind of a, our overall assessment. We have some fun awards that we're going to share. So let's start with uh, Ian Book. How would you guys grade his first performance eh. of 2020? I mean, I thought he was eh. thought he was bad. I did not. I thought he was bad. Um, maybe I had high expectations, but I was looking for – some big strides to be made. I did not think I saw them. But I also, I mean, we'll get into it with a little bit of the receivers. I don't know if it's entirely his fault. Still things a little jittery in the pocket. He puts our tight ends when they're coming on drag route under a lot of pressure, whether it's absolutely rocketing the ball or throwing it when they're, they're absolutely blanketed in coverage. Different play when it's Michael Mayer. We'll get to that. But I just I didn't love what I saw from him. Like even Kyron Williams said it, he was kind of still managing the game. He, he didn't do anything to make us lose, even though he, he made some bad throws. But I, I didn't. He was not doing anything exceptional out there. That, that I, I think it's fair of us to expect from him book at this point. Yeah, I'd agree. Are we gonna Are we gonna try and give solid letter grades here, or are we just gonna kind of overview? I don't. I, All right, if I, I'll give him a grade. Yeah, I that was a B minus. Okay. All right, so uh, I'll give him. I'll be a little bit more generous because I'm still. I guess I'm maybe I'm still leading the Ian Book train here, but I, I'll give him a B. Um, I didn't think he was very good. Um, Nineteen of thirty-one for uh, for two and change there. Um, I had a, had a few good scrambles, but uh, I don't know. I just I feel like I feel like the offensive line gave him enough time to make plays. Um, and again, there there may yeah, you know, it, it's. It, it's not fair to talk about Ian Book's performance without talking about um, a lack lack of excitement from the from the receiving core. Um, yep. But I think I was listening to to the Cover Three podcast earlier this week when they did their quick their instant reactions and uh, Tom Ferrelli compared Ian Book to just kind of the bus driver. Uh, he's he's just he's kind of just managing the game, uh, kind of just riding along and. He's driving. He's driving the bus, but no spe- spectacular fashion whatsoever. Um, I agree. I was. I was hoping that there would be more signs of life on a bigger step than what than what he's taken. I'm not sure there even was a step. Um, I wouldn't say that this performance was indicative of, of any kind of step. Uh, but I'll give him a B. I think again, he didn't do anything to make us lose the game, like Ian said. But uh, I would think. I think we'll all agree that we were looking for a little bit more than than, than what we saw. Yeah, I'm actually going to be the low man of you guys here. I'm going to give him a C. Um, 
if you say, well, if you give him a B, that means it's an average performance. That's, that's I the Notre Dame student answer. Decidedly below average. Look at the average. last six games. Right. <laughs> yeah. B is average. Well, yeah. I, I guess that's fair. Yeah. But if you look at the standard that Ian Book was playing at the last five, six games of last year, it was much higher than that. And I think that should be the standard coming into this year as well. If, if you want to give him an A, I guess it would be kind of comparable to those games last year. But I honestly think an A for Ian Book should be you know, 300 yards, four touchdowns. That's what an A performance is. That's what Trevor Lawrence is doing. That's what we're trying to get to. I said on the fir- first podcast that we need Ian Book to be a dude. He wasn't a dude against Duke. He was just a normal guy, you know, one touchdown, one interception, might have had the most like average quarterback stat line of all time. And for Ian Book and for Notre Dame, that's below average. We saw, you know, maybe his stat line looks a little better if he doesn't throw that pick towards the end of the first half. But we also saw the guy who's backpedaling in the pockets, who can't find his receivers downfield, was afraid to almost take deep shots, was rifling the crossing routes where he just needs to put a touch pass on the numbers. But at the same time, we've seen the Ian Book that's a lot better than this. I think part of it was first game jitters. Part of it was not getting a ton of help from the receiving core, not having the outlet to Claypool. But overall, I think it's a game where he didn't lose us the game, like you guys said. There is a ton of room for improvement. We know that he can be the guy. You can't argue with his record. I believe he's now 21-3 and three or something like that as the quarterback of the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. It's hard to argue with that. But he wasn't the bright spot on offense today. I'd say, you know, the bright spot for the most part that we can all agree on came from the running back position. What do you guys think of the performance we got there from uh, those guys? Hell yeah, I completely agree. Uh, I thought the running back room was out, was outstanding. Um, I gave them an A minus. Um, obviously, Kyron Williams did what he did. Um, he had an absolutely awesome game. Um, I just remember a good a good grab from Jafar Armstrong out of the backfield too. Tyree got a few touches. Um, but the reason they got an A minus instead of an A was, you know, I think this was also a symptom of, of just being the first few snaps of real football for some of these guys. But there were some there were some bad missed blocks uh, in pass protection that 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 led to a sack or two. Um, and I just it, it, again that that's just that's just them getting more playing time and, and gelling with their offensive line and, and making sure we, we work at those kinks. Um, but again, you, hate, you don't you don't want to see that happen. Uh, blow, blowing blocks and and possibly you know potentially getting your quarterback killed uh, is, is no good either. So uh, overall, a minus, awesome job, awesome day. Only thing I'll knock him for um, is uh, some early pass protection mistakes. Yeah, I mean, three more years of Kyron Williams, I will sign up for that any day of the week. Like he looks what he's had jumped to be. He is, I mean, he, he's got to get a tighter helmet because that thing flew off every other chance he got, <laughs> but he, he was electric. Um, he was an absolute warrior out there. Um, broke a big play as a receiver too on that little bubble screen. Uh, like that call from Tommy Reese. Tyree definitely looks good. I love that they're giving him a chance to get out there. I don't know if he's fully ready to, to break free yet, but it, I think every experience and every snap he can get is, uh, is good for him. And I think I saw, I think we'll get a lot of Jafar Armstrong. Um, I think he's our second or third back. I mean, I know he's low on, he was kind of low on the two deep to start, but like we saw Jameer Smith maybe once or twice in short time situation. Like, I think they'll just trust Jafar's experience. I'm going to give the backfields 
I'm going to give them an A because I think that's where we really showed up on offense. We didn't beat them with our receivers, and we didn't beat them really with Ian Book as much. I think that's where we were head and shoulders better than Duke. So I'm going to give them an A. Yep, I am going to go. I uh, this was one I was kind of torn because like in between you guys, you know, Tom had them. You know, there were missed blocks. I think watching the game again, especially Chris Tyree missed a few open cutback lanes where someone with his speed could take that you know, 40, 50 yards, if not more. And but at the same time, this was, in my opinion, the most impressive position group on offense. There were mistakes but you have to expect that i did like jafar being able to step up as that second or third back you wanted to see at least someone out of that group i think we all had it in mind of sebo jameer smith and jafar i think you need one of those guys to step up as kind of the short yardage option they're all big backs but you know kyron's going to be awesome i think you know we're back after 2019 we didn't really have a bell cow we're going to have a bell cow again Kyron Williams is going to be a great player. You're probably you know, hoping he'll set some records in Notre Dame uniform. So I was right on the border of B plus, A minus. I'm going to bump <laughs> him up. I'll be nice. I was kind of harsh on Ian Book, so I'll give the running backs A minus there. So then you know, we talked about how this group was kind of a question mark coming into the year. There were some players we wanted to see, obviously some players out. So Braden Lindsay was – one of the guys we expect to make a huge impact. He was out. Jordan Johnson didn't get any snaps. Can I go first? What nope. do you guys think of the receiver? I am group? disappointed in this group. I was unhappy. I know there are injuries, but I I was unhappy. Got a couple things to say about this. First of all, Brayden Lindsay. I, I don't know if I fully believe he was hurt. I, I they didn't say anything about it. And then there was like later, I go, he's got a hamstring injury. I don't know. Didn't know if there, was, there there was stuff going on there. Uh, Jordan Johnson. Brian Kelly said in his press conference today that he's got all physical traits and he doesn't have all his mental traits. God, we hear that word from Brian Kelly all the time, traits. Um, I don't know if we're going to see him anytime soon either because Brian Kelly will never put somebody out there who doesn't exhibit the traits. So I don't know if we're going to see him. Ben Skronik pulled up with a hamstring. It's not his fault. But before that, really didn't see much from him. Um, I thought Joe Wilkins was good because he made some good catches, um, but he just got bumped by Brandon Lines on the depth chart. So I don't know if we'll see him as much. This is where I really got frustrated because, you know, when you're watching pro football and a lot of times, you know, Herbie and, and Reese Fowler doing a game, they show downfield. The route, NBC will never show the routes from our receivers because, Slev, you mentioned it, the offensive line, our pass protection was great and gave them time. And Book's sitting there in the pocket for four seconds. And I don't know if it's just receivers not creating separation or him just having an unwillingness to throw it. But it, I'm guessing that none of them were able to get open. And I think that's a big problem. If none of them are able to get open downfield after four seconds in the pocket, we have an issue. Sorry, that was a long-winded answer. I'm giving them a C minus. I was disappointed. Okay. Uh, all right, I'll go. I uh, I'll give. Um, they have a B minus in my book. Um, I I again I I wasn't very impressed with the group as a whole. Um, yes, they got bit by the injury bug a little bit, but uh, just like Ian mentioned, just kind of uh, incapable of, of creating separation. Um, I will give them credit. I'll give credit where credit is due, though. Wilkins was really good, especially at the end of the first half, uh, to get to get them in scoring position. So Dora could knock home a forty-eight yarder. Um, that I think that was that was big. I, you know, it's, at that point, the game's still still pretty tight. Um, and I will give them. I will also give them credit on this. I thought they blocked well on the perimeter. Uh, Javon uh, Javon McKinley 
uh, it, it was it was Tremble Tremble who got the seal on the inside, and and McKinley who drove his guy down the field on the outside. That kind of sprang Kyron Williams for the twenty three yard touchdown. Um, so a, a lot of what Ian said, but I'm going to bump the grade up a little bit just because I yeah. they 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 I thought they blocked well in the run game, and that was one of the, one of the things I was a little worried about. Also, Avery Davis, shout out Avery Davis, he made me look really good. Uh, yeah, for calling, Davis, for calling his name out catch. last week. So. I did. I will say, Slav, I agree with you with the blocking. Javon McKinley's blocked. Like, he was still attached like 35 yards downfield. I will give yep. him that. He was good on the edges, but I'm still frustrated. Yeah. Once again, I'm going to split the difference with you guys here. I'll give them a C. Uh, there is something to like with the young guys. Obviously, with Lindsay being out, there's no true deep threat. I th- wish we would have saw more out of Lawrence Keyes. He's a guy that's kind of been first or second string on the depth chart for it seems like three years now, but it's almost like we just never see him in games. I don't know if it's a thing Ian Book's looking for him, but you know, the minute Avery Davis moves in the slot position, he's catching passes. The touchdown pass was mm-hmm. a great catch, better than it was a good throw. And you love to see that out of Avery battling for the ball. Hopefully he gets more snaps. I think he's a guy that we need to get the ball in space to more. But overall, you know, these guys, it's Duke's secondary. It's not Clemson's. It's not even Pitt's or North Carolina's. These guys need to be able to show that they can create separation. For the most part, they didn't, you know, blocking. I, you know, it was nice. It helps the running game. But overall, I think that's a C performance. I would like to see more bodies in the receiver position, because if the guys that were out there last week aren't going to get it done, you need to so get some I other guys. Building like getting Avery Davis the right. ball more, I think that's a little bit on our play callers because we, we fall in love in these like straight line speed guys with Lawrence Keys and Braden Lindsay. But there's a difference between like straight line speed coming around the edge and actually being a lethal ball carrier and and having the vision and having the cuts. And I think Avery Davis is one of those guys, and we got to get him involved the way we got Lawrence Keyes involved, like one or two plays with a little shovel jet sweep pass. I'm like, I would like to see how Avery Davis, because if he gets the edge, then he's absolutely lethal. Yeah, and he's easily yeah. fast enough to take one to the house. He's not lacking in speed. He's the just not guy. a guy who runs, you know, 10 second, 100 meter, like Braden Lansing. But going forward from there, this was a position we were all high on throughout the year. Let's just run through this really quick. You know, they made some plays. Maybe we'd like to see a more tight end group. The big three we saw were Tommy Tremble, Michael Mayer. Um, I'm going to go B plus, A minus. Some are probably sitting, if you want to give it a number grade, like an 89, uh, something right in there. Um, but I'd, uh, I say they look good. Mayer looked really good. Um, there was four tight ends on the field for the for the first Kyron Williams touchdown that two year that two yard touchdown was four four tight ends on the field. Um, everybody kind of picked up a block. I think the only thing that I'm going to knock their grade on, um, which is kind of important, was uh, some some drop offs. Um, and uh, Tommy had a Tommy Tremble had a, had a bad one of the first drive. Uh, and I know the second. Uh, I know his he had another drop that you know, book book rockets it off his hands and it gets picked. Yeah, it's not necessarily Tommy's fault, but nonetheless, it's it's still I guess it's still a drop pass because him in the hands. Um, so I'm 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 knocking him. I'm going to give him B plus A minus there, uh, just just for some drop balls. But other than that, I thought they played pretty well, and, and Mayer was obviously a bright spot. So I'll say B plus. Um, Michael Mayer, he's got to be our new starting tight end, at least from a pass catching standpoint. Him breaking that that again, Ian Book like dumping it down to a tight end who has seven yards to go with a third down, and he breaks a surefire tackle to get a first down. That was awesome. I was super hyped in a, in a situation where I should not have been. But I thought that was great. 
I think Tommy Tremble, once he gets on the edges, he's a really good blocker, but he in line, it seems like he struggles and he misses some blocks. Um, I know early we were kind of backed up deep. It was, it was right before maybe the, the fake punt, but it was a designed keeper for Ian Book, and, and Tremble missed a big one that could have sprung him free. Um, so I'm gonna get I'm gonna give him a B plus as well. The drops I'm almost gonna put on Ian Buck as much as I put on the tight ends because he's absolutely firing those. Yeah, the, I I agree with you guys there. I think it's right around like I had that written like it's another position group that was right on B plus A minus. They weren't the elite group that we need them to be. But at the same time, you know, there were some drops, you know, the interception that hit off Tremble's hands when we were at the 10-yard line that Duke picked off the one. Uh, you know, that's a book that Ian – or that's a ball that Ian Book threw as hard as he could when Tremble was about five steps away from him. Yeah, it's hard to catch through it over his head too. And, you know, initially I thought he was honestly throwing it to Mayer, who was breaking open for a split second. But overall – you know, we're good. This position group is going to be solid. They didn't do anything truly to hurt us. But one thing that kind of almost did hurt us was I don't know if it was the first or second drive of the game, but it was the tremble drop on third down. He had 20 plus yards to run in front of him. I think we looked at the start of this game a lot differently. Maybe that helps book get in the rhythm. Just goes to show how really one play can turn the tide of how an offense gets in the rhythm. I think. You know, that's a play he's got to make. That's a ball that Ian Book maybe can put in a better spot. But overall, I think it was solid. So finally, on offense, let's talk about yep. the big guys. I'm going to give him. I'm going to give him B so plus, same minus, same same thing as the tight ends. Um, I thought they they played really well. Pro Football Focus gave them the second best grade uh, in the country this week as a unit at 84.7, uh, which is which is a solid grade. They I think they played they played really well. Um, they only gave up three sacks, and one or two of them were on, you know, were on blown, were on blown blocks by the running backs. Um, so I, I think they played well, but I think one thing that I wish I saw more of was like a full unit push. Um, it, it wasn't like they were driving the defensive line back two or three yards, and I, that should, we should also mention that that was Duke's strength. That their their defensive line was the best part of their football team. Um, so they they had a tough assignment all day. I just I think that I looked for them to be a little bit more dominant, um, and that's why I'm I'm shading B plus A minus rather than going up to up to an A minus A type spot. I just think that you didn't necessarily get the push that I the I they think everybody thought they were going to see. Um, what about you guys? So I'll go, Slev. I'll go. I'm, I was always going to give the same grade you gave. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to go B plus as well. But again, this grade is almost. You know, relative to any other offensive line, it's an A plus. But compared to this offensive line, it's almost a B plus because we know what they're capable of. I agree. No, you never see anybody getting beat. You know, like Chris Rump, like you never beat anybody one on one to get to the quarterback. Really, um, a lot of these sacks come from maybe a failure to pick up a blitz package um, and something went on on unpicked up to the quarterback or a missed RB block. Um, what I thought was really effective was our misdirection game. Um, that could be play calling set up by Tommy Reese, but I do think. There is an aspect of offensive linemen selling that misdirection and, and selling it like it's a, it's a block to the left when it's a cut back to the right um, that opened up a lot of big holes, and I think that could be an aspect, big aspect of our offense going and, forward. And, Ian, just to add to what you just said, Kelly in his press conference on Monday mentioned that they uh, that Reese that Reese and the offense decided to go with the new blocking scheme. Um, so that's also just something to keep in mind. It's, it's 
this yeah. it, it's five five people moving at once. So there's got to be a lot of cohesion. Probably the first yeah. time that they've used this. You know, they went to his own blocking schemes. First time that you've that you've seen it in a live game against somebody else. So just something else to keep in mind as to maybe why they weren't getting the same push that everybody is used to. Right. You know, I think I may be using a different rubric than you guys in my grading, just because many of my thoughts are pretty much the same. You guys hit on all the points, but I have them as a B. It was average performance from this O-line, probably above average in pass pro, but below average in the run game, so it kind of equals out. There's, I, I'd love to see a little more push, but if you look, in our short yardage, downs, you know, third and one, fourth and one, when Kyron scored the touchdown, we were able to get the push. And that's a team, that's something that Notre Dame has struggled with in recent years was getting those third ones, those third and twos, fourth and ones. So we were able to get those when it mattered. That's something that's very important. So, but I still have it as a B. There's just a lot to improve for five guys who have taken hundreds of snaps next to each other, probably more thank than any other unit in college Kyron football. Made that All right on the fourth and one, so, though, because he bounced it outside, and I, I don't know if he went up the gut if he would have gotten oh, yeah. it. They had, nine, he, they, they had nine guys in the box. and it, yeah, yeah, so, I mean, it was, yeah. it was a great bounce. It was a great yeah. bounce, but uh, thank God he did that. Mm -hmm. All right, let's flip to the other side of the ball. Uh, we'll stay on the line. Once again, this group was seen as one of the strengths on the Notre Dame team. I'll kind of just continue give my grade here. I'm going to give D-line my highest grade of the day. I, I'll give them an A, and I'll give Mike Elston an A. I think we did a great job. We played, according to Brian Kelly, 11 guys on the first drive of the game. I didn't see a drop-off. I don't know. That's basically going three deep at every position. I barely saw a drop-off in terms of production. We saw a guy, my Isaiah Foskey. He's another guy like Kyron Williams. I'm How so the hell excited. We have three more years of him. Dude's already – Dude's already the most physically imposing end we have. He comes off like a missile off the line of scrimmage. He had that sack that was just barely a sack, but he still looked awesome. He made plays whenever he got his chance. I think he deserves more snaps. Oh, yeah. Loved to see Kurt Heinrich. Whenever have a Kurt Heinrich tackles, I feel bad. He, he it looks like it hurts. Like, I think they're yeah. broken. Whoever tackles, it looks like they're broken. Just, uh, it's a huge man rolling over on him. Like, oh my god! But it's effective. I'm glad it's on our team. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I think we got Chase Bryce when he he didn't have time in the pocket the entire game. That's one thing that Ian Book might have almost had too much time, got in his own head a little bit. Yeah. Chase Bryce did not have time to really do anything in the pocket. If you look at Duke's passing yards, a lot of their yards came after the catch because he had to get the ball out so quickly. So I thought our D-line did an awesome job. Best position group on the team, in my opinion. I'll give them an All right, well, uh, I, I, I mean, I, I love Isaiah Foskey. I mean, <laughs> I thought Duke took a weird route with letting him go and block the quarterback. That would not be the game plan that I draw up, but uh, that's something that they decided to ride with, and it did not work for them. Again, I touched on this earlier. The depth there is so exciting. Um, I don't know why we ever thought there wouldn't be depth knowing Mike Elson's our coach there because he just produces talent and has so for the last couple of years. Um, interior, like interior-wise, the Adam Malola brothers uh, can, can shift in there, but um, Tagovailoa, Amosa, and Heinish leading that group, and then you got Jacob Lace come. I mean, they're just big fellas in there that know how to rush the quarterback and create pressure. 
Um, and then the experience on the edge with Ada and Dalen Hayes clearly pays off. They're so exciting, and I've, I'm excited about them. But Isaiah Fosky, he personally gets an A plus for me. The group gets an A. Uh, completely concur. Uh, we just let's, let's lock it up as an agreement here for an A on the defensive line. Uh, I'm going to echo everything you guys just said. The depth was incredible. Fosky as a young guy looked awesome. Um, the old and the old guy, you know, the old guys, the old guard on on the defensive line still did their job. Um, I even liked, I even liked. I think one of the one of the funnier plays for me to see was uh, Duke was driving, and uh, I think it was a third down, and we dropped, uh, we ended up dropping Myron and Kurt into into coverage, and let and just let the other the other guys go, and then the ball lands right between the two of them. I, I it was it was funny to see these two guys who were absolutely huge uh, get get some get some different looks in in, in pass number two. I love that Elson change it up. Um, and I think I think they were a big reason why our defense was bent and didn't yeah, break all day, all, all day. If I'm not mistaken, I believe that Kyle yeah. Hamilton, our best he coverage guy, yeah. was on yeah. a blitz there and actually hit the quarterback while we had Myron and Kirk Heinish dropping the cover of slot receiver. And thank God yeah, neither so. of them dove for it because if they both hit that yeah. ref simultaneously – we're we're writing a eulogy right now rather than talking about the game. <laughs> All right, moving on to the linebackers. I believe, you know, with Hamilton leaving the game early, and even if he didn't leave the game early, I thought the best player on the field on both sides of the ball <laughs> was Wu. You know, he had a pass breakup, he had a sack, tackle for loss, he led the team in tackles with nine. And I thought he was best player on the defense. He showed why he's an elite first round pick, most likely next April. But yeah, he think he had I think one or two missed fills in the run game. But in terms of the other two linebackers, I didn't think they did a great job. We didn't hear a whole lot out of Drew White, Mayor Slufau, or Shane Simon, which were the main three guys. I believe Kelly said that yeah. we only rotated four guys through there. We didn't hear a ton out of those guys, but I think Wu made enough plays to make up for them. Overall, once again, I have it as a B average performance. Linebackers, Wu did make plays, but the other guys, I think they missed some fills. I think they got caught up you know, in the ruckus with the alignment a little too much, allowed for some cutback lanes to open up for Duke. So overall, I'd give it a B. You know, they didn't lose us the game. They weren't getting blown up by Duke's O line, but they weren't uh, elite. I think uh, there's. Uh, some I'm going to agree with Dono, but I think what uh, what what our audience will learn is that I'm I'm softer than Dono as well. So they got a B plus in my book. Um, I I could I, I thought Wu was all over the field. I thought he played awesome. Um, the strip that um, the the strip on the on the catch over the middle, uh, the forced fumble was huge. Um, but like you said, I, I didn't hear I didn't hear a lot from Drew White. I didn't hear a lot from Shane Simon. I didn't hear a lot from Maris Lufa. So, um, I, again, I, I'm, I'm echoing exactly what you said. I, I, see, I see room for improvement. Uh, nothing spectacular there. Um, is hoping here's to hoping that you know this is this it's something similar to the Louisville game where they look iffy iffy in the first game. It's just a unit that gets better and better each week. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think so. That's why I'm going to give them a. B, almost a B minus, just because I expect them to get better every week. I think this group, first and foremost, is going to be an elite tackling group at some point, um, because all three of those guys can get sideline to sideline like incredibly well. 
So I'm going to give a B minus just because I want to give myself room to move up when they improve because I do think we'll get improved for them. But JOK is going to constantly be one of the better players we have out there. Um, again, that fourth fumble is just an elite play. Like the the, the strength to, to rip that out of the receiver's hands is, is a great play. And then Leah Fow and Shane Simon, we saw a little bit of Bo Bauer. They're learning, and they're, I mean, it's just such a tough position to learn. So I'm going to give them B-minus with an expectation of growth going forward. Yep. I agree with that. And finally, on defense, we have the DBs. It probably makes more sense to loop them into one because I think that makes sense because we weren't especially tested in the secondary against Chase Bryce and the, Chase Bryce and the Duke offense. They didn't take a ton of shots downfield when they did. Generally, they were covered when basically every time that they would pass to a receiver on the edge. Uh, Nick McLeod or Tariq Bracey were there. I'd say the biggest thing that came from the secondary, in my opinion, is, is Sean Crawford actually did not look great in coverage. There's a few times he was pretty far off his man. And then there was tackling on Duke's biggest play of the game. I think it was 50 yards. It was right towards the end of the first half. Uh, DJ Brown missed a tackle where he was right there. I would have stopped it for an eight, nine-yard gain. Bang, their slot receivers off to the races. We tackle them inside the 10. They get a field goal. So the tackling definitely needs to improve from that position. Obviously, Kyle Hamilton going out, he's probably in the game instead of DJ Brown there. And you know, Who knows, might force a fumble or pick the ball off the ball that we know coming from that kid. But overall, I have them as a B. Once again, lots of you know room for improvement right, so there, I, but not a bad this game. This is a group overall. that I'm very I'm very high on. Again, I'm very high on the top four. Again, I'm with you. Sean Crawford wasn't great in coverage, but he had a couple of big hits. Just he's just a football player. I think he'll 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 be something that we're happy to have back there. The depth is what worried me here because when Kyle Hamilton Hamilton went down, Brown came in it did spark a couple big plays and DJ Brown also had a drop that Kyle Hamilton probably would have intercepted. Um, and then Nick McLeod and three Bracey didn't really come off the field, which is great and all because we have our bona fide starters at those positions, which you need. But if one of them goes down, I'm not confident that it will be covered as well. Nick McLeod is a baller. Uh, he's got that locked up. Tariq Bracey also gets the job done very well. And one thing about Kyle Hamilton, first of all, Duke throwing at him on fourth down is the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. But unbelievable play. He he also was like on a spy on Chase Bryce a couple of times and was always there. He was dropping in coverage a little bit while also on a QB spy because Bryce made some plays with yeah. his feet, but never when Hamilton was in there. Yeah. So uh, I'm gonna give the group. I'm gonna give the group an A minus. A minus. Okay. I'm gonna give them a B. Um, I think just again what Donna said, the missed tackles early. Um, when uh, and a lack of depth are alarming. Uh, I was curious to see where I, maybe I missed it, but I didn't see a whole lot of Houston Griffith, if any at all, um, which is surprising, especially when when Hamilton goes down um, and somebody who's seen some some game experience. Um, so I, I, I have questions about that, but um, I did really like Kyle Hamilton uh, at trying to throw at him as a bad idea. It's again. Uh, I wouldn't leave. I wouldn't leave. I wouldn't leave Foskey unblocked, and I wouldn't throw at Kyle Hamilton if I'm from any other team. Um, and another bright spot outside Kyle Hamilton for me was Nick McLeod. Uh, I I like having dudes on the football field, and McLeod kind of looked like a dude out there this weekend. Uh, he just he's somebody with experience that he played with a uh, played a little swagger. Um, I guess 
one thing before we move forward, we want to touch on that Kyle Hamilton injury. Uh, Kelly said earlier this week that he expected uh, that that Hamilton was in a boot. Uh, that was I was on Monday. He said he expected him to be out of the boot on Wednesday, and it looked like that held true. Um, sounds like he was out of the boot today at practice, but did not practice. Um, might be available for you know it will probably be available for Saturday, but. But in my in my opinion, I don't I don't want to see him. Yeah. I don't no, want no reason. No, no. I think it's actually a really good opportunity. I think it's a really good opportunity to get other people reps. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Sit him through. Like we could honestly sit him through yeah. the. Body. I think he'll want to play I'd football. Be perfectly okay but, with that. Yeah, I think I think I, I think he'll I just hope, demand I be on the field against Wake. It's but. a it's a sprained ankle, so I, I hope you just take the week to rest uh, against the U.S. A team that you don't probably need to play against. I don't want to sleep on Wake's offense either. Like Sam Harmon can put up points. Uh, yeah. I, I watched him against a little bit against Clemson, and Clemson's a great defense. Yeah. And, and Wake's offense moved the ball. They didn't score the ball as much as they should have, but they moved the ball pretty well. So I think if he is available for that Wake game, you got to put your players on the field. Yeah. All right. Finally, let's talk about special teams. Let Change the tide of the game for us. What do you guys think? A freaking plus. These guys were <laughs> these guys were awesome. Door Door was great on the field goals. Uh, Bramlett, I thought hit some bombs. Nothing, you know, nothing crazy, but I thought he, I thought he punted well, and obviously had really good hang time because if anybody see uh, Isaiah, Isaiah Pryor actually Woo! tattooed the Duke returner. Um, obviously I thought that unit played really, really well. Um, and shout out to shout out to Chris Tyree who had his first kick return, uh, was, was taken back. Didn't, didn't, didn't go to the house, but put Notre Dame in very, very, very good field position to be almost at the 50, uh, off your, off your first kick return. So I'm giving them an A plus. I thought they were the best unit next to the defensive line, uh, all damn day. Clevin, I respect everything out of your mouth, but I, I almost disagree with you at this point. Um, on the special teams, unfortunately. Um, I thought they were an A-minus. There were some, some highs for sure. First of all, Dorr absolutely knocking in. No doubter, 48-yarder is awesome. And for me watching it, I had no doubt he was going to knock it in, which is great as a fan. Like, that is one of the best feelings, knowing your kicker is going to knock that in in that three points. Tyree broke the first one to go to 40 yards. And he's clearly an electric return man. But the next two returns... He got contacted at the 15-yard line, and it seems like he got hit by six people, and I thought they missed some blocks there. Bramblett, the sneak was huge and kind of jump-started us and vaulted us into a good position, but he had one kick that was like a 30-yarder. So the potential is there for the A-plus every single week. I just – there was just certain things that I had issues with that keep me at an A-minus. Okay. Uh, I'm uh... – I'm not going to change my grade, but these are good points. Maybe I got, maybe I got excited about the Isaiah Prior hit and the, and the Bramlett sneak. Do you but know D- what like, D- what D- 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 about though? Where, yeah. where Tyree was kind of punt returns, punt returns yeah. too this week. Were yeah, nothing to write home about either. So I got, I got excited. I got excited. I can't remember the last Notre Dame punt return. Like Chris, I'm pretty sure Chris Fink took one back against Duke last year that got called back. Yeah. So I got called back. He also he also had a huge okay. one against. That just public turns we've never been a good average team. But yeah, yeah. I, 
I'm with you. I'm with you, Ian. I had them at A minus. Some rooms to improve on, especially kick return. Uh, I loved, you know, first kick of the season. You have your All American Wu yeah. setting the tone, just stonewalling a guy off the opening kick. Uh, our friend James Campion, son of our elite listener Steve Campion, sent us a text for some reason, like halfway through the second quarter. Is anyone else nervous as shit when we try to kick an extra yeah, point? No. Absolutely not, dude. Yeah, it, doesn't look pretty. it doesn't always look pretty. But I think that's more so just because he knows he's going to make it and he just it not doesn't, really. doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, let's absolutely. Give it out. Right. Should we get on to our awards for the game? Yeah, I can. Go ahead. Should I start? All right. So, my award that I'll be giving out week to week this season is the bald beauty on the week of the week. As many of you know, many of you may not know it yet, Bald is, in fact, beautiful. And basically, this is going to be the player that I was impressed with the most, the guy who played the most beautiful game that plays to my style of football, big hits, making plays all – well, no one's going to play all three phases necessarily, but making plays whenever they're on the field. And – for me, I know this is kind of a common pick, but as someone who spent many of his high school days on the kickoff team, just hoping to make the big hit to start the game, I'm going to go with Wu, Jeremiah Wusukormo. He was everywhere on defense. Like I said, like I just said, the first play on special teams rocketed through the Duke kick return team, drilled their returner, you know, the sack. Had a co- played well in coverage, played well against the run. He was everywhere on defense. Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa is my first ball. Beautiful. Beauty can you can you repeat? Can you repeat your ball beauty of the week, or is it like is it a one time thing? Yeah, I think I think you can give it out. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll try. I'll try to give it to different people. But if he just he might be that, if he's good. that good, that's that that probably last, a good thing. That's not gonna be the last time we hear Wu's name in the. In the you might be that. Good. I, I'm almost certain. We'll see. You'll be back. Ian, you want to go or you want me to go? You can go. All right. Uh, so I have my – the award I'll be giving out every week is the big fellow of the week, uh, given to somebody in the offense, <laughs> offense or defensive line that uh, that kind of set out to me. Um, I'm stuck on this one. I think you have uh, – from an offensive line perspective, I think it uh, it would – it would be William Eichenberg. I just thought, you know, if there was anybody that was that, that you didn't see make a mistake, I thought it was him. I thought he played really, really well. And, I, and you know, he also got a pretty high grade from pro football focus this week of, of a 91. So I think, you know, that, that there's something to be said for that. But, you know, and I, I think we'll come back to him uh, somewhere down the line. But it's really tough for me not to say Foskey. Uh, he was that, that guy. Hey, dude, he plays in the front four. I'm going to I know, I know. We're going to be – we're not going to be too specific on it. If you play on the front four on defense or you play in the front front five on offense, you're going to be eligible for the award. So I'm going to go with Foskey. Had a few hurries. Had – made Chase Bryce completely very uncomfortable all day. I think there was there was no doubt about it. I thought he was the best – best guy uh, on the defensive line, um, even with a bunch of older guys around him. So I'm I'll, I'll big, big fellow of the week goes to Foskey. All right. So my game that I'm going to be playing is called Ian thoughts of the week because our quarterback's name is Ian. And my name is also Ian. 
So I thought it might be fun. Um, the similarities we share of our names is about the extent of our similarities, but I'm going to let you guys guess whether this thought was my thought or Ian Book's thought. <laughs> to start, sheesh, that was a huge collision noise. I wonder what that was. Oh, no, it's Kyron Williams battling for extra yards again. We got that. That was yeah. Ian Book. That was Ian Book. For that would be Ian Book. All right. Yeah, I'm Ian Book. Yeah. Next thought. Damn, another three and out to start the game. Anybody able to grab me a beer real quickly? Who thought that? I'm going to go you. That was actually both Ian's. Because I can't yeah, imagine Ian Book was completely <laughs> calm on the sidelines. He was probably <laughs> looking for any type of uh, nerve reliever out there. Because that was a tough, tough four straight three and outs to start the game. Jay Brown pick us up. So just to clarify, both is a choice. Ugh. Both is a choice, yes. Okay. All right, um, good I should have clarified. All right. I feel like our best chance for long yardage is a screen pass to our backs. Can, can Tommy call another one of those? I'm going to say just Ian Waller. Both. That was actually just Ian Book um, because he needs – that's really where he gets all his yardage at this point. It's just a screen <laughs> back to Kyrie or Jafar Armstrong. So I think he probably cares about it more than I do. All right, not our best game, but thinking about heading to Noose later. Both. Ian Book. Both. Both. That was Ian Waller. Actually, both. That would be a horribly irresponsible thought from Ian Book to go to Noose um, and put college football as a whole at risk. Um, Definitely a thought that I I was making. I was heading back to South Bend on Sunday, thought I might just go to Noose on Saturday and stay over on Saturday. (laughs) That that game definitely uh, made me want to – let loose a little bit. Next thought. I feel like the best way to get a completion is to rock an 80 miles per hour ball at our tight end across the middle on a short to intermediate route. Ian Book. That's Ian Book. That's a straight out Ian Book's head. For That's sure. Ian Book. <laughs> Where the hell are our receivers? Mm. Both. That's both of us. That's absolutely both of us. Yeah, Where the both. hell are our receivers? To, to start, I certainly would have been fading me, but this is a good comeback here. I'm hot. Yep. Now you are hot. Got to watch out, otherwise Jay Brandler yeah. is going to be our starting QB. Book. Ian, Ian, Ian Book. Book, for sure. He's definitely got to be looking over his shoulder. Jay Brandler, quarterback in high school out of Alabama, making plays in the perimeter. Hell of a I think our, our, our punter might be right behind him. All right. Not to brag, but on last week's podcast, when we were running through special teams, I did say – you certainly did. I did say watch the fake. You certainly did. I was thinking more of a pass, but eh. next thought. I didn't specify. Fuck it. There's a tight end there somewhere. Ian Book. That's automatically Ian Book. Next thought. I wonder what it's like to lose at home. Yep. Both. Yeah, that's Ian Book. We have, but it's been a while. <laughs> it's a been a while. So we, we suffered some bad losses. Yeah. Ian Book has not yeah. lost at home. So he's got to be feeling some good. Last thought. Yeah. My back kind of hurts after that game. Waller. Yeah, it's Ian Waller. And, Ian Waller. I mean, it's, just, it's just a sign of the times nowadays. I just, I just got yeah, back home. So that's just me. <laughs> that's just me eating it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so you guys did pretty well. Uh, no, no, we did, no, I wouldn't say well. I, I, I demanded a, a higher performance for myself next week. Hopefully, hopefully we, we regroup and get better. But Donna did well. 
Be pots for you guys in the hole. All right. Hey, you guys, let's touch on those bowls. All right. All right. All right. So this week we have a game between one team that is Notre Dame and the other is one of five teams in college football history that are undefeated against the Notre Dame Fighting Irish that have won a game against them. That's the South Florida Bulls. They came into Notre Dame Stadium in 2011, and it was Brian Kelly's second year in a game delayed hours by lightning, thunderstorms, and they beat the Irish. And obviously the two programs have kind of since then gone their separate ways. Uh, South Florida is projected to finish last in the ACC, AAC. Sorry, they're in the American. They're led by Jeff Scott, former offensive coordinator at Clemson. But the big storyline is their current offensive coordinator, Charlie Weiss. I think it's a, it's a Charlie Weiss game for ACL him. revenge game because the last memory I have of Charlie Weiss of his ACL just being absolutely blown out against Michigan. So that's, that's the only memory I have of Charlie Weiss, and it's the only memory I want to have of Charlie Weiss. Everything else I want to forget. Yeah. Um, I think just as far as like from a, mm-hmm. from a, the if we're going to play the game, uh, the Irish win if the Irish win if Brian Kelly avoids being purple in the face like he was the last time USF came to town. <laughs> if, if we avoid that face color, I think we're going to be okay. Um, from a personnel standpoint, I did just took a peek at what they did last week. They played three quarterbacks. Um, everybody at least threw the ball four times, and everybody at least ran the ball once. Um, it's an interesting system. I feel like it would be weird. It'd be hard, difficult for, for them to get in the flow. They played against the Citadel. They had the they did they did recover a punt in the end zone. Um, just an absolute shag from the. I don't. I just don't think last week's game, a win, twenty-seven six win over the Citadel, is going to be very indicative um, of, of what they're going to bring to South Bend whatsoever. I think this is a pretty bad team, and I think the the Irish sh- the Irish should should roll on Saturday. Uh, unfortunately, the entire nation's not going to get to see it because it's on the USA Network. I think when was the last time a college football game was on the USA Network? Like I had the pretty much. I remember I used to watch NCIS there back in the day. Like my, NBC, my nanny used to like NBC it, moves some like, stuff around. Like I've seen, I've seen NHL playoff games get moved there and stuff like that. I think it's just a matter of are they are they are they airing the US Open? NBC is and and there it is. Yeah, and that's, also, that's it. This was supposed to be an open date, so. I, mean, I think I think all the yeah, uh, everything we know need to know about South Florida yeah, so is we just spent the last forty five seconds talking about the USA Network rather than preparing for the South Florida Bulls. So I I just Charlie Strong was an absolute disaster to that program. I mean he was an absolute disaster to that program. He is gone, um, and then playing three quarterbacks willingly, like on purpose, seems like an unstable situation um, at best. And then um, Charlie Weiss Jr., Charlie Weiss Jr., who Brian Kelly talked about as a upcoming coach in the country, sure he's just being nice. Um, I want us to stop him. I want Clark Lee to literally make him his baby and feed him a pacifier. Um, what? What I think? Uh, something to keep in mind. It's not, I don't think it'll have any effect on the game, but their offensive line is thick, and not with C's. They are just T H I C K thick. Everybody's above. They are. I think the smallest guy is three hundred five, and they're all north of three fifteen from there on out. Um, so 
they are that they're they got I think defensive line. If there's if there's a matchup to watch this week, it's going to be Notre Dame's speed up front on the on the front four versus what seems to be a slower and less athletic USF offensive line. Yeah, they also have some guy that hide behind. Sorry, hide behind the offensive line. That's Johnny Ford. He's uh, he's about the size of my little friend Patrick. He's five foot five, so he's able to hide behind that offensive line. And apparently, he's pretty fast. He's their leading returning rusher from last year. And obviously, to play D one football at five foot five, you have to be pretty athletically gifted. So. I guess if they had one player to watch on offense, it'd be him, if for no other reason that he's going to be hilarious to look at on the field next to their O-line and our D-line. So other than that, is there anything that kind of sticks out to you guys about this game? Like I said, we'll go into depth on more games here on out. But once again, this is a game where one there's not other a whole lot quick to talk stat about. I pulled from the game against Citadel last week. Uh, I'm just going to do my last take here, and then we'll move on. Uh, one other note that I took, uh, no, one other stat that I took note of from the game against Citadel, uh, the defense for South Florida struggled to get off the field. Uh, Citadel was eight for eighteen on third down and two for two on fourth down, bringing them to um, ten for twenty, fifty percent overall. Um, if that's what they put up against the Citadel, if for some reason Notre Dame sees a lot of third and fourth downs, uh, I'd expect a lot of drive continuations and just expect some some long uh, clock chewing. Navy or Army type drives uh, from the Irish this week. Yep. All right. So with that being said, I think we all see this as a win, but we're going to include this year just to give a little more uh, spice to our picks towards the end of the week. We're going to look around the country for some games this week, some lines that we like, whether it's an over-under or it's a spread line. We're going to try to keep track of this, post this, you know, on our new social media accounts. And so I guess we'll start with one of you guys. We're going to do two games each from around the country, then pick the over-under on both the – or the spread and the over-under on the Irish game. So what have you guys seen? I know, Slev, you are yeah. pretty confident about one of your uh, picks you want, earlier uh, in the podcast. Or Ian. Okay. Uh, all right, I'll go first. Uh, do you want to give, want me to give both my picks or – both my around-the-country yeah. picks are just – okay. Do right. both around-the-country. Okay. So, for my first pick for, for around-the-country here, I'm going to go with the Raging Cajuns of Louisiana Lafayette. Uh, they played really well on the road um, in Ames, Iowa, against the, against the Iowa State Cyclones. Uh, they looked really good there. Um, uh, I think they're a very good football team, and they're going to be going against a uh, – they're going to be at Georgia State for a noon kickoff against a Georgia State team that hasn't played a game yet. Um, it seems like last week there was a trend for the for teams that had played games already uh, against teams that hadn't played. Uh, it seemed like teams that had played a game and had got some experience and fared a lot better. So for all those reasons, I like the uh, I like the Raging Cajuns minus seventeen on the road uh, road favorites uh, at Georgia State. And then my other pick um, is I'm going to go with the Louisville Cardinals um, minus two and a half against uh, at home against Miami. Um, I think that Miami played played a, played a good game last week against UAB. Um, it was good we got to watch them early in the week. I think they played Thursday night. Uh, De'Ara King looked good, not great. Uh, I just I, I didn't absolutely love what I saw out of Miami. It took them a while to pull away from UAB. 
Um, and I think this Louisville team is going to be really good. I think that the, that the skill that they have uh, combined with a pretty good offensive defensive line, I think it means that Louisville definitely gets the, gets the win at home, uh, especially only having to cover a field goal. Uh, I'll take Louisville minus two and a half uh, at home against Miami. All right, I'm going to go against everything I said earlier in this podcast, and I'm going to bet against the Raging Cajuns. I'm going to go with Georgia State plus 17. Um, Georgia State is a, a running team. that They're tough to stop, and I think they'll, they'll, they'll munch the clock, and I think Louisiana absolutely wins this game, but I don't know if they cover 17, and that's what we're talking about. So I think Georgia State gets that 17 number, um, and Louisiana coming off a big win against Iowa State. Maybe there's a little bit of a letdown early. I still think they win the game, but I think Georgia State covers at 17. And I'm going to throw our first ever COVID analytics at you. I think Georgia Southern um, – I'm trying to remember who they play actually now because I, I know the team – they're playing oh, FAU. Sorry, yeah, Florida Atlantic. Yeah, that's Georgia an interesting Southern one. Florida Atlantic. And Florida Atlantic opened at 5.5-point favorite. Yeah. And then COVID hit hard on their team. So they got some, some boys out. And our first ever game that is affected by COVID, I'm, I'm I'm taking COVID here, and I'm taking Georgia Southern. I think I think uh, Georgia Southern gets the two point five, and I also think I would probably take a money line. I'd, I'd take them to win the game. So I'm taking both Georgia State and Georgia Southern. Shout out to Peach State, um, and I'm gonna I'm confident I'm gonna start the season hot. Love love the Georgia Southern pick. Love it's just analytics, just just doing your research there. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So for me, just personally, uh, I'm anti-Cajuns this week, just not even on the spread or anything. I'm just a huge Georgia State fan, personally. Just they're one of the best teams gets, to play a dynasty with. He gets one NCAA t-shirt. Football 14. I have Panthers a t-shirt. Guy. Go Panthers. Man, I, I, started selling, I started selling out the dome. It was unreal. But my picks this week. So my first one is Syracuse Pitt under a low number. 50 and a half. And the reason I, I think, think I don't think he is, thinks Cuse is going to score. It's a low number, but I watched Syracuse. <laughs> I don't think Cuse is going to score, and I don't think Pitt's putting up over thirty. So that's the, the main reason I saw Syracuse play North Carolina. I think Pitt has a stronger defense than North Carolina. Syracuse is really, really going to struggle to score the ball. And at the same time, I don't think Pitt has enough weapons on offense to make up for that difference. There was a reason that spread so or that over under is so low. I think it's 50 and a half. It's down to 50 in some places, but I'll okay. I'll leave it at 50 and a half because I still saw it there. And then my other one is I got App State covering the four against line. Marshall. I thought that was, I thought that was a good line as well. Uh, I was four and a half. I think that's a good pick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll even take them at four and a half, but I think I watched Marshall play. They looked good. I think it was the first college football game I really sat down and watched all year, but App State's one of those teams the last few years. There's a lot of talent there. The real the reason behind this is I saw the a video on Twitter. Yep. They had some guy for their hype video for the year. He was in a river. Just he hold was his really breath in a river. Water river and here. some App in the river covered by rocks you know the rapids are going by him and just goes underwater comes out very slowly starts beating his chest uh it was it was fucking awesome so i had to throw a bet on that 
no other reason. App State's a good football team. They've be won, mindful. You know, nine, ten games. Be mindful, few years, audience so. and, uh, and the three that's of us. That if you have a few extra minutes, uh, watch that App State Marshall game. I think that's going to be a. I think that's going to be a very good game. I, I like App State in the game. I like them laying four and a half. Uh, but I think overall, that'll be one of the quality football games that we have for mm-hmm. a, for another short ish slate. For week three. Also, with with the lack of Power Five football here, I know the Big Ten's coming back. It's all conference play, no interconference play really. Those are types of games that college football college football fans are really gonna have to buy into because that's good football that yeah. you're really just gonna have to commit to because those are good football teams and it's gonna be a great football game. Agreed. All right, let's talk Irish one more time. All right, Irish. Get Everyone want to start? If not, I don't I'll want to start. go last. I'll say I don't want to go last. So my right, fifth you go, you go second, score I'll go last. Awesome. Okay. So what, have, what are we looking at here? What, what's I the current? Is it twenty-four and a half? This was from Fanduel earlier today. I had twenty-four and a half, and uh, for the spread, and mm-hmm. fifty-one and a half for the over/under. So I think that line might have moved. You think that I one think should fifty-one and a half? I, yeah, I, I think thought the down. over I under moved, down. and I think, I think the spread down. at this point is almost 25, maybe 25 and a half. Yeah. So, where I was, so where, all right. So, what do we want to set it at? Do we, yeah. uh, we'll say 25. Say, uh, 25. Well, because I, I, I have a specific score prediction that's right, right around so there for the over under. So, it depends if we're getting that 50. What do we want to go for the over under? All right, so I have the Irish winning 41-10, five touchdowns, two field goals. Okay. Let's, let's put All it right, 50 and a half because I want to take the over. So just I just like taking the over. So, so I have the Irish winning 41-10. Kyron Williams adds two more on the ground. I think Ian Book finds his stride in the air. I think we hit a deep ball to Lindsay. I think there is a defensive touchdown. Scored by the D-line. Not sure who. I don't want to make that bold of a prediction. But the D-line will score. The Irish score 41. John Doors 2 for 2. They hold him to 10. It's really 41-3. South Florida adds a late garbage time touchdown. So the Irish will cover the spread and hit the over. So I didn't want to go last because the the people are going to hate me. Um, I'm going to go 34 10 Notre Dame, which is USF to cover the 25. And then I'm also going to go the under at 50. And I'll even, I'll take the under at 50. I don't think USF scores enough points. And I don't think we score enough in the red zone to really get it done. So I'm going to take both USF and the under, which is the last thing listeners want to hear, which is why I want to go second because you'll hate me until I'm right. Go ahead, Sullivan. Uh, Ian, do you hate the Irish? Uh, maybe. Okay. <laughs> um, for before I give my pick, fair warning, I was zero two last week, um, so uh, might not be a terrible idea to fade me. But uh, I too like the over and the Irish to cover. Uh, I'm looking at forty five ten ish for my score. I don't have any specific predictions about the game. I would like to see a defensive touchdown, um, but I think a few field goals from Door. Uh, Door helped us out there, and, uh, and a few touchdowns. Hopefully, Book gets on track, um, and, and we can connect down the field. Um, but a defensive score would be would be would be a really nice addition here uh, this week. Would love to see that. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go over 50 and a half, and the Irish to cover. Excuse me, cover the 25. I like all that. 
I think we lost D again. Got him. All right. Yep. And so before we wrap up here, one final thing as we're trying to move from hundreds of thousands of viewers to millions of viewers, we are on social media right now. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. That is at bald, bold, and gold. If you don't follow us already, go ahead and toss us the follow. That's where we'll be posting not only podcast content, we're going to be trying to posting, be posting our picks, uh, then just general Notre Dame news. We're going to try to keep you guys updated, be one of the main accounts that you should follow to kind of stay in touch with what's going on in Notre Dame world. Yeah, follow us on those socials. We'd love to, we'd love to hear from you guys and look for, uh, look for next week. Look for maybe, uh, maybe we can get a Q and A out there. Uh, see if we can answer some fan questions if, if anybody has any. All right. Thank you. Go Irish.